Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Direct Snap. I am your host, as always, Drew Allen, and what a weekend of college football results and games and news. The biggest thing coming out of the weekend is all this coaching news, ladies and gentlemen. It is popping off in the college football world, and we're going to get into it for you. But first, last week on the episode, I predicted four games, so let's take a rewind and review those games and see what I got right, what I got wrong. I uh, got a, got more right than wrong this weekend, but nonetheless, it was still uh, still got some wrong. So, uh, obviously, the biggest game of the week was Michigan and Ohio State, and this is the game I got wrong off the top. I'm going to get this one out of the way so we can have a better podcast the uh, the rest of the episode. So, Michigan gets, gets Ohio State at the big house, and I predicted Ohio State to go in there and roll Michigan. I didn't think this game was going to be very close at all, but Michigan just outmuscled Ohio State for three and a half hours. Just ran the ball up and down the field on that Ohio State defense. That defensive line of Michigan was flying through the offensive line of Ohio State. Aiden Hutchinson with a heck of a game. I know Jogba on the other side. I think I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but. Uh, it was just a mauling. Michigan was the more physical team. They, Like I said, they ran the ball down Ohio State's throat all day long. And it really puts Michigan in a great, you know, a great position to be in the college football playoff. I really think that, you know, they're going to be. Uh, we'll get into their Big Ten championship game opponent here in a little while as we preview conference championship week at the end of the podcast here. But... Like I said, Michigan was just the more physical, more disciplined football team. Jim Harbaugh takes a shot at Ryan Day in the opening press or the postgame press conference, rather, saying, you know, some people wake up on third and think they hit a triple. And, you know, he's not wrong. Ryan Day inherited a gold mine at Ohio State and, uh, you know, has done wonders there, but he, had, he didn't have to go through the ranks like Jim Harbaugh did. From I think it was San Diego State to Stanford to the NFL back to Michigan, where he played at. So I mean, obviously it's a huge rivalry game, and Michigan, you know, for the first time in a decade, beats beats Ohio State. And like I said, they were just the more physical, dominant football team Saturday, and it really sets them up really nice for uh, potential berth in the playoff. But I definitely got this one wrong. Like I said, I thought after what Michigan State did to beat Michigan earlier in the year, and then. You know, transitive property never works, but Ohio State just demolished Michigan State last weekend. And then, so I, I really thought Ohio State was going to go in there with that. That offense is explosive, but it wasn't this past weekend. Uh, that front seven of Michigan did a really good job. Caused C.J. Stroud to have a, a real bad day at the office. And that, you know, Ohio State offense that was so prolific all year really gave them nightmares all day. So Michigan is the big winner of the weekend. Like I said, they uh, they finally conquered the Ohio State Mountain, and it uh, looks like they're going to the playoff. But like I said, got this one wrong. But moving on here, one game I got right was I thought Oklahoma State was going to beat Oklahoma in Bedlam. They beat them 37-33. Uh, Jim Knowles uh, is the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, and he should really win the Burroughs Award for for top assistant this year. What they've been able to, what he's been able to do rather. Has been impeccable this year. That Oklahoma State defense is legit. It's nasty. It's physical. I know they gave up 33 points, but it was a rivalry game. You never know what's going to happen. You kind of throw the stats out the window going into games like these. 
But Oklahoma State, you know, they, they get the win. And they really, if they can win the Big Ten, or Big 12 rather, this weekend against Baylor, and we'll, get, we'll cover that game at the end too, they got a shot to get in the playoff. And the playoff's really interesting this year. There's a potential for some chaos, which is always appreciated in my world. It's what makes college football the greatest sport in the world. But Oklahoma State goes in there. I didn't. I mean, they didn't go anywhere. They played in Stillwater, but they knock off Oklahoma. They finally got over that hump to a degree. It was loud. It was nasty there. It was just a. That's one of the games I want to check out. You know, before, you know, before I my passing. Uh, it's definitely a bucket list game uh, for me to see Bedlam live. Uh, Stillwater seems to be crazy with the fans. You know, packed in there right on top of the sideline. But, yeah, Oklahoma State's got a great shot at making the playoff. This, uh, this was a heck of a game. Uh, you know, Caleb Williams has that long touchdown run. Uh, I think it's Spencer Sanders, the quarterback for Oklahoma State, was elusive all night. And uh, they they got it rolling there. But Mike Gundy, you know, he has that reputation of messing up and losing a game he shouldn't. But he hadn't done that this year. Uh, you know, they're 11-1. and They're going to the Big 12 Championship. And they got just as good a shot as anybody to make this playoff. So, moving on to another game we talked about last week, the Iron Bowl. Alabama survived. I didn't think this game was going to be close. I predicted Alabama was going to win, but I thought they were going to roll. I thought they were going to flex their might and show you know, show everybody who they were. But they, they went in four overtimes. They played like crap for three quarters, three and a half quarters really. And then, you know, they get the ball back and go score a touchdown to tie it up. In the final minute of the game, Bryce Young leads the 97-yard touchdown drive. Um, I don't know if they were overlooking Auburn. It's hard to overlook a rival like that. Um, You know, looking ahead to that Georgia matchup, which, like every conference championship game, we're going to get into a little bit later. Um, The the main takeaway from this game for me, and I've kind of noticed it all year, but this game really sold it to me, is... Bama's offensive line isn't what it usually is. It's not dominant like it typically is. I mean, Evan Neal at left tackle is a, a heck of a football player, and he's going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. But this isn't the occasional and usual Bama offensive line that when they need a yard, they can go get it just by handing the ball off. You know, they got stopped on a fourth down earlier in the fourth quarter before they led that long drive. Um, so if you can't stop Auburn's defensive line, one would think, you're going to have a real problem with how dominant that front seven of Georgia is. And as I said, you know, we're going to get into that game later. But, you know, that's something to look for this weekend in that championship game is that Georgia front up against that Alabama O-line. I do think that Bryce Young is going to win the Heisman. Um, he didn't play good for three and a half quarters, but he, when the game was on the line, it mattered most. He, he got him down the field and, you know, came back and won the game. I think he's going to more win the Heisman out of default because he's going to be playing this weekend while the other front runner C.J. Stroud, for Ohio State sitting at home. But, like I said, I was right on this pick, but I did, you know, I, pre- I predicted the, the blowout, and it wasn't that by any stretch of the imagination. For three and a half quarters, I thought, uh, I thought old St. Nick there in Tuscaloosa was going to make me look like an idiot. But uh, he, he did give me the win, so it, it made me look a little bit better. And the last game we talked about last week, this was on Thanksgiving night. I predicted Ole Miss to beat Mississippi State, and they did. They handled him in Starkville, Stark Vegas, as some would call it, uh, 31-21. Um, is Lane Kiffin going to get another job 
it, it's really interesting. Uh, obviously, we'll get into some coaching news that has broke over the last, you know, two days as I sit here and record this on a, you know, late Monday night. But there's potential he could get another job. I don't, I don't see it right now. Um, but like I said, got this one right. It was a good game. Matt Corral in his last last Egg Bowl goes out a winner. He probably won't play in the bowl game just because he's probably going to be a top 15 pick in the draft. and I mean, he should be. He would be my quarterback one as of right now. But so not not a bad week of, of predicting games. I went I went three for four, uh, and I was way wrong, like I said, on that Ohio State-Michigan game. But moving on here to our next segment, uh, top six as of right now, the way I have it, and this is what I likely think it will be Tuesday night when the committee releases their playoff rankings. And these are kind of irrelevant because – Everything's going to get sorted out on championship weekend. But as of right now, Georgia's won. No movement there. They, you know, handled business against a bad Georgia Tech team. Um, as a Florida fan, I was kind of hoping, I don't want to say I was hoping someone gets fired, but I was kind of hoping Jeff Collins was going to let go there and come back and be our defensive coordinator. But he didn't. They announced they're bringing him back. So, uh, like I said, Georgia handled their business, blew out Georgia Tech. They're number one. They've been the most dominant team all year. I still have some questions about that offense, but obviously an undefeated SEC team is going to be number one. Number two, this is where we have some movement. Michigan is who I have at number two. That was a very impressive win over uh, Ohio State, like I said. Got that game wrong, obviously, but you know that's a, that's a better win than any of the other top six have. Um, so Michigan jumps Alabama and Cincinnati from last week and, uh, jumps into the number two spot. Uh, number three, Alabama, like I said, that them and Georgia is going to work itself out because obviously they play this weekend in the SEC championship game. Number four, I got Cincinnati. You know, they have that really good win over Notre Dame, who's 11 and one. And trust me, we'll get into Notre Dame here in a little bit because some news, a bombshell broke Monday night tonight you know if you're listening tomorrow or in the future broke Monday night but Cincinnati at four five I got Oklahoma State they jump up because of that nice win they had over you know Oklahoma and Bedlam number six this was tough I've had Ole Miss up there for a while and even though they won um, and Notre Dame beat a bad team in uh, in Stanford I went with Notre Dame here just because they're 11-1, and one, and I think this is more close. I would favor Ole Miss t- if they played Notre Dame today, personally. My money would be on Ole Miss. But I'm, try- I'm trying to balance my top six with what I think it will be and what I would do. Um, like I said, I would favor Ole Miss over Notre Dame on a neutral field right now. But I think it's you know Notre Dame. And there's a potential chaos ensues this weekend if a, a big monkey wrench gets thrown into all these plans. And Notre Dame, even though they're not playing this weekend, still got an outside shot at making this playoff, which is very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, this weekend's going to settle a lot, but it has the potential to mess up a lot as well. So that would be my top six as of right now. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Alabama. Number four, Cincinnati. Oklahoma State Cowboys at five. And Notre Dame at six. So now we get to the meat of this episode. As you, If you've listened to the last few episodes, we've talked about the coaching carousel and how crazy it was going to be this year. And ladies and gentlemen, it did not disappoint. Uh, I mean, there was just bombshells going off one after the, the other the last 24 hours, or a little over 24 hours. 
So, I mean, let's get into it, because if we don't, we're going to be here for a while. So, the biggest news, as of what I thought was going to be the biggest news before I started, you know, writing up the notes for tonight's episode, was USC nabs Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. Uh, Obviously, there were some rumors out there that LSU was really, you know, pushing hard for him. But USC, it came out Sunday afternoon, um, probably about 3.30 or Sunday afternoon, that you know, they were they had reached out to him, they were going after him. And then about 20 minutes later, it broke that an announcement was coming and he was going to be the next head coach for the USC Trojans. For me, this is a home run hire. Um, he took over for Bob Stoops at Oklahoma in 2017 and went 55-10 and 10 there. So, I mean, just barely in double-digit losses over... What is that? A five-year five-year run, so a very good football coach. He's a good recruiter. Um, it sounds like he's going to take a lot of assistance with him, like defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. It sounds like a lot of the recruits, and they had some some high name high level guys committed for 2023. Uh, a couple of big names for this upcoming recruiting class. It sounds like he's going to take those guys with him too to Southern Cal. So I mean, he's just gutting that Oklahoma football program. And this is something I I don't know if a lot of people are talking about. It is, with Oklahoma jumping to the SEC at some point, whether it be next year, the year after, 2025, whenever that their deal runs out with the Big 12, if he can get it rolling at USC, which I, I think he can because he's you know one of the top six, seven, eight coaches in the country, he can own that half of the country. If USC... Gets it rolling, it'll be them in Oregon as the powers on the West Coast. And obviously, Oregon's got a lot of money with you know Phil Knight and Nike, and Mario Cristobal does a heck of a job recruiting. But if he can get it rolling there, you know, USC's a blue a blue blood in college football. He can really go head-to-head. It'll be them in Oregon every year in the Pac-12, which is you know kind of similar to what we've seen in other conferences as uh, – for what's transpired in other conferences over the last, you know, five or six years. But, you know, this is a home run hire for them. Uh, Rumor has it that he wasn't a fan of USC jumping, or Oklahoma rather, jumping to the SEC. Um, He didn't want to, he didn't like it. He thought an easier path to the playoff was staying in the Big 12 and a potential easier path to winning the playoff was easier. And it sounds like he wanted the easier path. And I, I don't necessarily blame him. I mean, you know, you win a title, it doesn't matter how you win it, as long as you win it. But this was this was a bombshell. No one no one would have predicted this Friday afternoon, Saturday even, after they lost to Oklahoma State. He's asked about the LSU rumors and he cut off the reporter and goes, I'm not going anywhere or he didn't say I'm not going anywhere rather. He said I will not be the next head coach at LSU. So technically, he didn't lie. I mean, he he's not the next head coach at LSU. He's the next coach at USC. So you know, just leave it open ended if you're ever cornered and asked something like that somewhere. Um, but this is a uh, I think I'll give this higher an A. You know, Lincoln Riley's a really good football coach, and uh, USC really surprised everybody with what they were able to pull off in their coaching search. That. Not a lot of people had faith in they were going to go out and, and nab a big fish. Now, on Sunday before the Lincoln-Riley news leaked and got out there and got confirmed, 
the University of Florida, my school, I mean, I didn't go there, but I love them like I did, uh, announced that they are hiring Billy Napier from Louisiana. Um, obviously, we've talked about him before. He's uh, He went 39-12 and 12 there over four years. He won his division the last four years. In the, he's in the Sun Belt title game again, trying to repeat against Appalachian State this weekend. He is an elite recruiter by all accounts, and he's a heck of a program builder, and nobody has a bad word to say about Billy Napier. And that's really what Florida needs. They need that guy who's going to come in and be a CEO and run it like a business and hire really good top-level assistants to do their job, develop those guys at their position, and elite recruiters. And it sounds like he's willing to do that. He learned from Nick Saban. He sees the benefit in having great assistants. And he had a big big quote that came out that says, he basically he's saying he loves everything about college football. He can't imagine doing anything else. Because he loves everything from the nutrition program to strength and conditioning to off-season workouts to, you know, game planning to recruiting. And that's really what Florida needs. And, you know, he's passed on some jobs in the past. And because they weren't willing to provide the infrastructure that he wanted. So it sounds like Florida is all in on football, which makes me happy as a Florida fan. Because we've seen in the last 10 years they haven't really been willing to put put their money where their mouth is, like the other programs, like in Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, that other school that I don't like to mention in, in the state I live in. But, you know, I really think this is a great hire for Florida. Um, it sounds like he's got the assurances he needed from the administration that he was going to be given the keys and let his program, and let him, they were going to let him run his program the way he wanted to which I think is very important. He's got a lot of ties in the state of Louisiana, obviously, from being there for the last four years in terms of recruiting. He recruited the state of Florida when he was at Alabama, you know, pulling guys like Calvin Ridley and other big-name guys out of the state of Florida. So he comes back in. He's got a lot of deep relationships in the state, and nobody has a bad word to say about him. So this is, I really think, a really good hire for Florida. Now moving on to two other quick, quick pieces of news. Uh, TCU, obviously in the Big 12, hires Sonny Dykes from SMU. He went 30-18 at SMU. He uh, he runs a fun offensive style of football. Um, I really think this is a solid hire. Uh, He's a guy who has experience. He coached at Cal. He's coached at SMU, obviously. He coached at Louisiana Tech. Excuse me. Um, He's been around. He knows what it's like to coach in a big Power 5 job. And TCU, I think, has got a chance to kind of step up and be that, you know, number three team. And some years, you know, first or second in the Big 12 once Texas and Oklahoma bolt. I mean, obviously, everybody in the Big 12 finished ahead of Texas this year because who, who knows what's going on there. But I think this is a solid hire. He's he's an adult. He's been around, you know, those Power 5 jobs. He knows what to expect. And TCU is an underrated job. I think it's a really solid job, and I, I really like this hire. Um, the next little bit of news is Washington announced uh, tonight, as I record this Monday night, that they are hiring Kalen DeBoer at Fresno State. Now, I'm not going to lie. I don't know a whole lot about him. I haven't watched a whole lot of Fresno State games this year. Um, Obviously, they come on at like 3 in the morning here, so it's hard to stay up after you had a few cold ones all day watching watching college football. So, I'm not going to lie. I don't know much about him. I do know he, and I looked it up. He went 12-6 and at Fresno State his last two years. 
Um, he's a solid hire from everything I'm reading. Um, I don't think he was at the top of their list, but it sounds like once you know some guys like Napier and some other guys like Dave Aranda now you know said they were Napier moved on obviously to Florida, but um, Nate, uh, Dave Aranda obviously a West Coast guy announced he was staying at Baylor. They were working on a contract extension. I really think they had to go down their list, and he he was the guy they ended up going with. So. Uh, not going to give too much analysis on this just because I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, you know, it, it could work out for them. He sounds like he's a very offensive-minded coach, which is kind of the opposite of what they had with Jimmy Lake. And typically that's how it works with coaching changes. You kind of go in the opposite direction from what you had to try to, you know, drum up some something else on the other side. So now moving on, uh, Oklahoma obviously is open now as Lincoln Riley bolted to Southern California. And this is going to be an interesting job to see where they go. Um, You know, when it broke that he was leaving, some names obviously, you know, immediately jumped to the forefront. Josh Heupel at Tennessee, he was an assistant in Oklahoma. He played there. He said, you know, they went, I think Tennessee went 7-5 and this year. But from where they were a year ago to where they are now, he's done a really good job there. He runs a fun style of offense, and he could step in and has a whole lot of talent there. Um, there's reportedly some bad blood about how he got let go when he was an assistant there. So, you know, would he be willing to entertain that? Would he be willing to dump Tennessee after a year being there? Um, I don't know. But, but it's going to be interesting to see where they go. Mark Stoops at Kentucky. You know, obviously they had one Stoops brother at Oklahoma for, for you know, 20 years almost. Um, he's done a good job at Kentucky. He's really, I think, topped out there. I think if he was able to get some a, a bigger job, not that Kentucky's a bad job, but a bigger job. You know, Oklahoma's a top-ten job in the country where he could recruit better guys. I think he's got a little bit higher a ceiling if he could get a better job. Um, but, you know, would he want to – he'd always be compared to his brother there. I, th- I mean, everybody's going to be compared to Bob Stoops, who takes that job now. But, you know, it's a name that got thrown around. Uh, There's rumors of Shane Beamer at South Carolina got thrown around. You know, this is his first year there. They got bowl eligible this year, and he's done a good job there. So, I mean, he's been thrown around. He's, you know, former special teams coordinator, I believe, at Oklahoma before he took the job at South Carolina. So he's a name to watch. Uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State is a name to watch. Obviously, Iowa State is a fine job, and he's really turned it into a decent job. But... Oklahoma's a step up. You got better facilities. You got better access to recruiting. Obviously, they're jumping to the SEC. So that's, you know, huge for them. He's a name to watch. And this is a top 10 job. I mean, Oklahoma's a blue blood program in college football. You've looked at, you know, just in my lifetime, Bob Stoops, what he was able to do there for 20 years, what Lincoln Riley was able to take over and do with, you know, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts and, you know, Caleb Williams, which it you know, bears to reason that Caleb Williams, you know, put out a tweet that he might, he didn't say he might leave Oklahoma, but he didn't sound too thrilled about Lincoln Riley leaving. And obviously with the one-time free transfer, he could transfer to USC and go with him. So, I mean, a lot of gutting has happened at Oklahoma in the last 24 hours, but they're going to get a good coach in there. Another name to watch there is Brent Venables, you know, the defensive coordinator at Clemson. We've been wondering when he's going to make that jump to the head coach head coach role and he's been offered jobs I'm sure in the past decade you know uh, they always have a great defense and he's a name to watch he's a heck of a recruiter so those are just some of the names being being thrown around right now 
at Oklahoma, and obviously, you know, they were kind of blindsided by the Lincoln-Riley news. You know, it was rumored that USC reached out to him Saturday night, and the deal came together Sunday. So, I mean, how true was that? I don't know, because typically those deals don't come don't come together that fast. But, you know, Oklahoma, like I said, top 10 job, and it's going to be interesting to see where they turn in terms of who their next head coach is going to be. Okay, I had to get a sip of water there. So, moving on. the what well, I mean, shoot, I don't know if this is the most shocking news with Lincoln Riley jumping to USC, but about an hour or so, hour and a half before I started recording tonight, it got announced that LSU, which looked like they had whiffed on Lincoln Riley and Jimbo Fisher, it got announced that LSU is hiring Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. I mean, this really came out of left field. There was rumors that they were going to talk to him, but I didn't think there was a snowball's chance in hell he, like he was going to take this job. I mean, he had it made at Notre Dame. Um, you know, to get into some of his, his success at Notre Dame, he went 92-39 and 39 there since taking over in 2010. You know, he's been there for over a decade. He obviously went to the BCS title game in 2012 and played Alabama and got... You know, got demolished. You know, they've been in the playoff a number of times and gotten gotten demolished by Clemson and Alabama. So, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I don't know how I feel about this one. Uh, Brian Kelly's a, a really good football coach. I think he's one of the more, I don't, I don't want to say underrated's the right word, but he doesn't get thrown up there with Nick Saban. I mean, no one should or Dabo, or Jimbo Fisher, or anything like that. But he's a really solid football coach. But he's 60 years old. He had an easier path to the playoff at Notre Dame. Now you got to go through Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Got to play him every year. If Lane Kiffin doesn't leave, you got to play him every year at Ole Miss. He's going to have a great offense. You got to play Mike Leach at Mississippi State you know, every year. You know, he has a good offense. They've got a good young quarterback in Will Rogers. You know, they're, so they're, they're little, like they're on the up and up. Sam Pittman in Arkansas. You got to play them every year in the West. And not to mention, you got that big bad man in Tuscaloosa, Nick Saban, who you got to play every year. Who has skull dragged you in any time he's played Notre Dame at Alabama, and now you're signing up to play that every year I mean you're going to get some better athletes at LSU than you would Notre Dame but he had a hard time I don't want to say hard time because he finished with some decent classes but he didn't have elite classes at Notre Dame so does that make you think he's going to have elite classes at LSU obviously it's easier to recruit there but he doesn't have a whole lot of southern ties that anyone's aware of he's never coached down here he's never you know recruited heavily in the south so it's going to take some time, I think, to get that rolling. LSU's brand does carry some weight. But, I mean, this really came out of left field. Like I said on previous episodes, this was going to be the craziest coaching carousel season we've ever seen. But I did not anticipate what has transpired in the last 24 hours. But, like I said, I think it's a good a good hire for LSU. I don't think it's a, a great one by any means. Obviously, he was down their list because they whiffed on Jimbo from, you know, him and Scott Woodward, LSU's athletic director, having ties before. They whiffed on Lincoln Riley, it sounded like. 
And it just, for me, from Kelly's perspective, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, he's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. He had a way easier path, as I said. It just, I, I don't get it. I mean, maybe he wanted something different and felt like he topped out, but, you know, I, I just don't get it from their perspective. So, obviously, him leaving Notre Dame opens up Notre Dame. Another top ten job in the country is now open. I mean, so just in this coaching cycle alone, we've had LSU, top ten job. USC, top 10 job. Florida, top 10 job. Oklahoma, top 10 job, I would argue. And Notre Dame, top 10 job. I mean, that's five of the top 10 right there. Like, this is the craziest coaching cycle ever. Like, I don't think people who don't pay enough attention to college football realize this. This is insane. So, obviously, Notre Dame is now open. Um, Luke Fickle's the name to watch here. You know, him. he's the head coach at Cincinnati. It's rumored that he wanted to stay in the Midwest. He wanted one of those big jobs in the Midwest. Uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Penn State were the rumored the three rumored jobs he would leave Cincinnati for. And I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Urban Meyer in this coaching search. Uh, it's always been reported that this is his dream job. I don't think he'll get it. Um, with He carries some baggage. Now, if if I was the AD, I'd hire Urban Meyer today, like before midnight after Brian Kelly left. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to stay in the NFL. Uh, Matt Campbell is another name to watch here. You know, Iowa State coach. He he's a Midwest guy by all accounts, and you know, it's a big job. Um, Notre Dame has a lot of good assistants, as did you know Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. But it sounds like most of his are going with him. Uh, Marcus Freeman's a name to watch, and other potential head coaching searches. You know, their defensive coordinator is a young guy, or does he go somewhere and be a D.C., you know, like a Florida or somewhere like that, and then try to jump to the head coach level? But this is just a shocker. And then moving on to the last bit of coaching news for this week, uh, Virginia Tech is open as well. We haven't had a whole lot of buzz. It sounded like them and uh, Billy Napier were flirting before Florida, you know, dropped Dan Mullen like a bad habit. Um, It... You know, no one really knows what they're doing now that Napier's off the market. I think Jamie Chadwell from Coastal seems probably like the front runner now. It was rumored they had interest in Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, but he signed a contract extension. So that, you know, takes him out of the running, presumably. Napier obviously makes the move to Florida instead. So my money, if I had to bet right now, I wouldn't feel good about it, would be on Jamie Chadwell from Coastal. He runs that, you know, innovative kind of triple option spread combo style of offense so that's where my money would be right now um but yeah it's virginia tech's a job no one's talking about it's a really good job it's not a great job but it's a good job and you know it's just not a whole lot of buzz there right now because all these big programs keep coming open and taking coaches that they potentially had a shot at so like i said the coaching carousel has been nuts um but Without any further ado, let's get into our conference championship game preview. We're going to run through six games. We're going to do the Power Five and the AAC game. I'm going to run through these through these kind of quick. Uh, the Pac-12 title game is Friday night. It's Oregon and Utah. Utah obviously smashed Oregon two weeks ago. I think the final was 38 to seven. Just demolished them in, in every aspect of that game. But it's hard to do that twice to the same team. It's hard to beat the same team twice because they they feel like they got your best shot, and you didn't get there. So they have some confidence, kind of, I don't know if it's unwarranted confidence, but confidence going into that game. 
that, oh, you know, we took their best shot. They might have, you know, knocked us out the first time, but we took one. We took a shot to, you know, return one in the in the rematch. So uh, this game will be more competitive for sure. I mean, it'd be hard not to be more competitive than thirty-eight to seven. But I still like Utah on this one. Um, they are just a more disciplined and physical football team. You know, I really think that's an underrated program. Kyle Whittingham, you know, has been there for the better part of. I think it's over 15 years now. Yeah, because he, I mean, he took over for Urban Meyer after he left in 04 to take the Florida job. He's been there since 05. So you're looking at, you know, this is 16th, 17th year in charge there. They actually open up with Florida uh, coincidentally next year. But, yeah, I like Utah here. They're just a solid, disciplined, physical football team. So I got Utah winning this game and being crowned Pac-12 champions. Now, moving on to the Saturday slate, uh, this game doesn't have any impact on the playoff itself. It's the ACC title game. It is Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. And if you had told me that at the beginning of the year, I would not have believed that Clemson or any of the other heavy hit. well, I mean, I guess there's really no other heavy hitters in the ACC besides Clemson anymore, is there? Because Florida State and Miami both suck. But, yeah, um, Pittsburgh and Wake Forest, Obviously, this game, like as I said, has no no bearing on the college football playoff. But get ready for a shootout here. This is going to be a fun game Saturday night. You know, it's in Charlotte. They always tape off the top half of that stadium because no one's going to be there. Um, but this is going to be a shootout. Neither of these teams can stop a nosebleed defensively. I mean, Pittsburgh can a little bit, but Wake Forest can't stop anybody. You know, you got Kenny Pickett slinging it on one side, Sam Hartman slinging it for the Demon Deacons. So I think this game is going to be a fun game. Get your popcorn ready. I think these offenses are going to be going up and down the field. Um, but I believe that Kenny Pickett and Pittsburgh will win this game in a fun game that, you know, is one of those games that has no bearing on anything. But Kenny Pickett can say he's an ACC champion. Pat Narduzzi, the head coach there, could say he's won an ACC title after this one, I think. So I like Pitt in this game. So, moving on to the AAC title game. And I, I don't talk a whole lot of group of five stuff, but I will talk this game because it's got some bearing on the playoff. This is the undefeated Cincinnati Bearcats taking on the University of Houston, the Cougars, I believe. If Cincy wins this game, they have a legit shot at the playoff. Like a legit shot at being a group of five team that gets in. Um but that said, Houston is 11 and 1. They're ranked. They're a good football team. So they can't take Houston lightly. Um, you know, Houston's got a solid defense under defensive coordinator Doug Belk. There's rumors that he's looking to jump to a bigger job like a Florida or somewhere else out there and uh, you know, really make a name for himself. But I think since he is up for this game cuz they want to prove to the committee that they deserve a right to be in the playoff. So I think since he wins this game, I think it's close. You know, I think the line's like 10.5, I believe, right now. Um, I like it probably maybe even a little closer than that, um, but that seems about right. You know, Vegas, they don't build those those big casinos in Vegas because they don't make money. They build them because they make a crap ton of money. But I like Cincinnati here. Uh, moving on here to the Big 12 title game. This game has some bearing on the playoff, obviously, as well as Oklahoma State versus Baylor. Um, Okie State's coming off a big win in Bedlam. If they win this game, I am 
betting they'd be in the playoff because I don't know if you could keep out an 11 and 1 Big 12 conference champion with what Oklahoma State's been able to do especially if they win this game they'd have a win over a, a two-loss Oklahoma team and a you know a two-loss Baylor team when they played them they were both top 10 win Oklahoma State played them that's two really nice wins so this game I mean I like Oklahoma State here Mike Gundy does have a tendency to lose games like this before. You know, we've seen him do that, slip up with teams he he shouldn't. And Baylor's not a team he shouldn't slip up against. I mean, there's no shame in losing to Baylor this year. They're a good football team under Dave Aranda. But I think behind that defense and, you know, Jim Knowles dialing up that defense, Oklahoma State wins this game and gets into the college football playoff. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting game. I think that game's at noon on Saturday, so that'll be a fun one. Uh, moving to the Big Ten now, staying in the Midwest. This game is Michigan and Iowa. Obviously, Michigan coming off that huge win over Ohio State. Um, Iowa has no semblance of an offense. Like, there is nothing to see on that offensive side of the ball. They try to run the ball. They play one style of defense. Like, they're not a very complex football team. But Michigan's defensive line, that front seven is great. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, as I mentioned earlier, and David Ajagbu, or Ajagba, I can't ever say his name, so forgive me for the mispronunciation. I don't think it's going to have a problem with Iowa um, if they win this game. You know, I have a number two in the country right now. They're in the playoff easy if they win this game, and I think they will. Um, I think they hold Iowa to, you know, potentially single digits. I could see, you know, 31-7, 38-10, something like that. Um, I think this game could get away from Iowa quickly. And, you know, but if they lose, that really throws the playoff into chaos. And I'm not saying Iowa can't win. I just don't see, see it happening. But like I said, if, if Iowa wins this game, it, chaos is going to hit this playoff. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not opposed to it. Jim Harbaugh does have a, a tendency, as does Mike Gundy, to, to lose when they shouldn't and slip up when they shouldn't. So, But I like Michigan here. I think that's the play. And I think they're going to be in the playoff. So, But the big heavyweight matchup that everyone is talking about is this top four matchup. And I say top four because I don't know where – Alabama's going to be ranked. I don't obviously. I don't think they're going to be four. I think they're probably threes most likely. But this game is the heavyweight fight. It's Georgia against Alabama in Atlanta on Saturday. I think the game's at four. Um, Georgia's the rightful favorite. They've been dominant all year. That said, like Georgia's been dominant all year. But if you look at who they've played, they haven't played a great team yet. Clemson's got a good defense, but at that point in the year, they had no pulse on offense. You know, you look at other games, Arkansas, you know, they're they're good. They're not great. Um, obviously, Georgia got them at home. You know, you look at, you know, when they played Florida, Anthony Richardson gets thrown in for his first start against the number one defense in the country. Obviously, Florida couldn't stop a nosebleed on offense, or on defense, rather. So they haven't played a great team. Like, we haven't seen them play a team that can match up with them talent-wise. This is the first time all year that's going to happen. And it will happen in the playoff, obviously, because if they lose this game, they're still in. But 
that's what I'm most interested to see is this Georgia offense has been efficient. It hasn't been good. It's just been efficient. They hadn't had to do a whole lot. I think Georgia gave up something crazy like 83 points all year, which is insane. You know, that's what, like, I think, do the math off the top of my head, that's like 6.9 points per game. I mean, it's crazy what they've been able to do defensively. They've been dominant all year. Um, and Alabama, on the other side of the, you know, the this coin, They've looked mortal on a number of occasions this year. This isn't the classic, you know, untouchable Alabama team. Obviously, you know, they lost to A&M in, uh, at Kyle Field. You know, they played Arkansas close. I think that was, the final was like 42-35. They, you know, beat a bad Florida team by two because Florida had a special teams miscue. You know, Auburn, you know, outplayed them, I thought, for three and a half quarters. Um... You know, Auburn six and six or six and five when they played. But so I mean they've looked mortal this year. Um I don't know if they were overlooking Auburn. I doubt it. Maybe they were, but you don't really overlook big rivalry games like that. So I mean this this one's really interesting for me. Uh, that said, as dominant as Georgia has been all year with the parity that we've seen and the upsets we've seen, and this would be, wouldn't be an upset by, of epic proportions by any stretch of the imagination. I think Alabama's going to win this game. I, I don't know why. I, I've just got a feeling. Um, I've, I've taken the favorite in every other title game except this one. I like Alabama here. Um, I just don't think... Georgia has cleared that Alabama mountain yet. They haven't beat them in forever. It's still in the back of their minds. Well, as good as we've been all year, we we hadn't beaten uh, we hadn't beaten Alabama. You know, we have we haven't been able to beat them when it's mattered. And uh, Kirby, you know, typically has some blunder. Some uh, dumb decision that he makes in these big games that loses him the game. You know, obviously a couple years ago, that fake punt he ran that led Alabama to to beating him in the title game. He's not a very good big game coach. He's a great recruiter. He's a great gatherer of talented players. But he's not a great developer and X's and O's and strategic game day coach in my opinion. And this was his best shot at winning a national championship. He's never going to have a defense like the one he has now. He'll have good defenses because he's a good defensive coach. But we're, this is Kirby Smart's peak year. Whatever his peak is, we're going to find out this year. It's either is, is his peak getting to the playoff and not winning it? Is his peak winning a national championship? I hope that's not the case, being a Florida fan. And, you know, you don't have to worry about where I stand on Georgia ever. You're going to get that here. But, yeah, I like Alabama for the upset here. Um, I think they come in a little ticked off, and I think they want to send a message and remind the rest of the country who they are. And with that said, I think, like I said, I think Alabama wins the game, and you know both of these teams are in the playoff. So those are my predictions for this weekend's Big Six, you know, the big Power Five championship games and the AAC game that has some bearing on the playoff. Here is where I think things get interesting. We're going to talk about the playoff. If these results that I just laid out for you 
happen. Georgia loses to Alabama. So Alabama is a one-loss SEC champion. They're in, obviously. I think that would make them the number one seed. The number two seed would be a one-loss Big Ten champion in Michigan if they beat Iowa, as I predicted. I think Georgia would drop to three because they'd be a one-loss SEC team. And then I think it gets really interesting at four. Really interesting. Does the committee put in an undefeated AAC champion in Cincinnati who has dominated, not dominated, but they've run the table. They've beaten everyone you could put in front of them all year long. They have one of the best wins. You know, Notre Dame's 11-1. and one. That one loss, that one behind that 11, was to Cincinnati at home. But then you have Oklahoma State, and I think Oklahoma State's going to beat Baylor this weekend. And they would be a one-loss Big 12 champion. With their last two weeks of the season, the last week of the regular season and the conference championship weekend, they would have wins over a top-10 Oklahoma team when they played them, and a top 10 Baylor team when they played him. What would the committee do in that situation? I think they would put in Oklahoma State, and I think Cincinnati would get left out of the playoff. Now, if Georgia beats Alabama, Cincinnati's in, in my opinion. I think Alabama's going to beat Georgia. And if they do, if Alabama does that, I think Cincinnati's going to miss the playoff. And you're going to have some wildly ticked off fans up there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I don't know, I mean, I'm not going to get into how right it would be, but I think a one-loss Power 5 team with a conference championship or lost in their conference championship game but was undefeated, as Georgia would be in, in my scenario, I think those four deserve it more. I, I don't think you can make a case that Cincinnati would beat Georgia I don't think you can make a case that Cincinnati would beat Michigan, that they would beat Alabama. I think you can make a case they could hang with Oklahoma State, but I don't think they'd beat them. Um, what really gets interesting, and there's a lot of scenarios. We could be here for the next hour discussing these potential scenarios of how the playoff could work out. But say something, say Iowa, for instance, does the unthinkable and beats Michigan. Well, then the Big Ten's out, so... Cincinnati's in, I think, at that point. If Michigan loses, Cincinnati's in. If Alabama beats Georgia, they're both in. And then I think the other team would be Oklahoma State. But say say Georgia beats Alabama and Iowa beats Michigan. Then I think it's Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and Notre Dame could sneak in the back door of this thing and be in the playoff. Like, just the... The amount of potential outcomes for this playoff are insane, and we're you know we're gonna know Sunday at noon, well probably like twelve thirty because you know they dragged that out way longer than they need to. Um, we're gonna know then who's gonna be in the playoff. It's gonna be a heck of a week of college football. We're probably gonna have more news dropping on the Virginia Tech coach at some point this week, and I'll be here to cover it all for you. But like I said, this week in the big title games, I got Pittsburgh over Wake. Forced. I got Utah over Oregon, Cincy over Houston, Oklahoma State over Baylor, Michigan over Iowa, and Alabama over Georgia. And if that if that happens, the playoff for me would be Alabama one, Michigan two, Georgia three, 
and Oklahoma State four. So, like I said, we'll cover it all for you when any news breaks. You know, I'll be here right back with you next Tuesday. It'll new podcast will drop reviewing this week's news and this weekend's college football outcomes. So, without any further ado, we're gonna get out of here. It's a longer episode today just because there's been so much so much news. And uh, leave us a subscribe if you can. Follow me on Twitter if you want to talk college ball anytime. I'm always hanging out over there. And uh, like I said, give us a review. Subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify. It really helps us out. And, uh, you know, in your review, let us know what you want to hear us talk about. And uh, have a blessed week, everybody. And uh, enjoy your college football Saturdays and your college football Friday. That Pac-12 title game is Friday night. All right, everybody. Enjoy your week.